when Andy gets when Andy gets drunk, he he cusses even less. So he's, that's true. <laughs> I just <laughs> turned into Ned Flanders. <laughs> hey, diddly erasably neighbor. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Erasable Podcast. Before we get into tonight's episode, I'd like to take just a second to dedicate this particular show to a really fantastic listener and educator who recently passed away. Mr. Croson taught in Baltimore City for his professional life and basically left a trail of awesomeness in his wake everywhere he went. And we just wish him and his family well. I feel like there should be like a natural transition there, but there's totally not. <laughs> so sorry. Just a moment of silence. I'm Johnny Gamber. And of course, I would never be here without my co-hosts, Andy and Tim. And also joining us tonight from the West Coast is Tiffany Babb. How are y'all doing? Hey, Johnny. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah Can't so complain. I- <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk more to Tiffany about her self and her work later. But for now, why don't we jump into Toys- Tools of the Trade? Get that out of the way. Do you want to go first, Tiffany? Yeah, Tools of the Trade. I've been consuming a lot of the movies of Sidney Lumet, who I've always called Sidney Lumet, but apparently it's Lumet. I'm a big fan of his films, but I'm kind of going into the the ones that, you know, people don't see. So I recently just watched The Dybbuk, which is a filmed for TV play, like an old Yiddish play that he did which was really interesting and good. And I also watched The Wiz for the first time recently, which is a a wild (laughs) movie. And, you know, babies hanging from the sky in little star outfits, which was... Oh, The the Wiz is bananas. It is Mm -hmm. shockingly wild. And like the images, (laughs) like some parts of it, they're just just so imaginative and cool. And then some parts of it are just so strange that you wonder how they ever filmed anything like that and got it on the big screen. But yeah, so I've been watching those. I've been reading a collection of essays on E.B. White, which has been interesting because I love his writing, but I've never read any criticism on him. And the criticism is kind of harsh (laughs) for someone who like, and I, I think he's kind of one of the great American essayists and people are like, eh, you know, he's too lighthearted. And I'm like, but, but that's the charm. <laughs> so that's been good too. And I've been listening to this new artist called Penelope Scott. And she is apparently some TikTok star. I'm, I'm not on TikTok. So I listened to her music on Spotify, but she's a college student, like a political science student who does music in her spare time. And she has these great songs about like, you know, the things that young people are angry about, like Elon Musk and respectability politics and all of these things. And she's this really incredible lyricist and she kind of produces and mixes all of her own music. So highly recommend her music. Awesome. Oh, nice. and cool. also I am, see, I'm, a, I'm clearly a newcomer because <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I have to keep talking here. I am writing with a Bauhaus Blackwing on an appointed notebook that I got in one of those like for Christmas CW pencils does those Christmas like gift boxes. And one of my friends sent me the eco one and it came with this really cool green appointed notebook that I've liked. Yeah. They make really good notebooks. Cool. Tim, how about you? Nice. I have been listening to a guy named Parker Millsap, M I L L S A P. Millsap, and he is a kind of Americana artist that I had missed for a long time. And then I just noticed that he had won, I think it was like best 
new artist or best emerging artist at the Americana Awards. And then he showed up on like every music podcast that I listen to all of a sudden. So clearly he has a new album out and he, <laughs> he does and it's, <laughs> and it's good. So I like him. He's got an interesting story. It's like the first 200 gigs he played were playing guitar for his like Pentecostal church he went to or, <laughs> or something kind of like playing on the fly. And then he like burst out of that with his own music and his own music is really cool. So I've been listening to a lot of him and been reading a book of poetry called Braided Creek, which it's by two authors who I've talked about on here before, but Ted Couser, Couser and Jim Harrison. And it's all these little poems that are like two to four or five lines. And they wrote the entire book in correspondence. Oh, neat. I love um, that book. It's really beautiful. And like very kind of, Makes you feel like you're living on a house, like in a house, like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I totally agree. And it's like, and I don't know how they actually did it, but the poems are so small. You just imagine every little one you read, you're just, I just find myself thinking about what if this was one postcard, <laughs> you know, like if they just said that on, <laughs> if I got a postcard with this little four lines on it, some of them are hilarious. And I think those are probably the one, like the ones that I'm thinking of are, are Jim Harrison ones, but there's one and this is a little crass, but there was one that was like, Basically, when you're having, and I'm not saying it in the poetic language that I have in front of you, but it's like when you're having a hard <laughs> hard time on the toilet, this is when you feel the most like a lightning bug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like when you're bearing down. It's like that's so there's stuff like that's that stupid and like just kind of like silly. But then there's this just beautiful observations of everyday things that they're seeing yeah in the country <laughs> so it's just it's really it's really entertaining it's really fun it's a slim little book but i, I highly recommend it because they're two of my favorites ted Cooser's maybe my favorite poet alive these days i like him a lot and i just watched a movie that just won an academy award last night actually but i watched <laughs> it about a week ago it's called another round and it's starring mads michelson Mads Mads Mickelson. Yeah, that's on Hulu. Yes, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It's it's on Hulu. It's the the premise is that, and it's based on this real concept. But there's this Norwegian philosopher who has this theory that humans were born with uh, a blood alcohol content that was 0.05 short of how much alcohol it should have in it. So, like, the body runs at its peak performance if you can stay at 0.05 alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) And so. The, these these are the, the movies about these four teachers who decide to like bust out of their sort of like midlife crisis. They're all about 50 and they all decide to do like in a scientific test of it and record the, re- the results. But then things kind of get out of hand, but it's not this like, it's interesting because it's not really this like morality play about the alcohol. It's more just about like, the alcohol teaches them that they need to like embrace life a little more and that there are multiple ways to do that. It's a, it's a great, it's a great movie and it won, yeah, won the Oscar for a uh, best international feature or whatever they, they call that, that award. Now I can't remember. I think they changed it, but it's a very good movie and it's weird. It, it, he's one of the, he's a great actor. Uh, Mickelson's great, a gr- great actor. It's hard not to see him as a bond villain or yeah. something. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Cause he's like, perfect for, for that but he he does a really great job and he's an uh, this is this doesn't really spoil things but towards the end of the movie you realize that he is a really awesome dancer so <laughs> so you know 
wait for that. And I am <laughs> writing with a Palomino HB with a Papermate eraser cap sent to me by Mr. Johnny Gamber. Do you like and, them? Oh, yeah. I guess it's classic. It's classic. And I am writing still in my Field Notes game day, the brown game day notebook. Nice. How about you, Andy? Whew. What have I been doing besides the besides the usual house hunters renovation escapism that we <laughs> we watch during dinner things like that? Started watching this comedy that's been around for a while. There's been about four seasons of it. It's a an Australian show. It's called Please Like Me, and it's a mostly mostly lighthearted kind of fun comedy, but also approaches things like suicide and and mental health and just interesting and you know being gay a lot of really good interesting themes in it and it's it's something about comedy that is just made even funnier by australian accents and i don't know why that is but yeah it's just just a show we've been really enjoying i think it's on hulu if anybody wants to watch it have either of you have any of you ever heard of that no No. it's a good title though yeah (laughs) please like me yeah it's very good yeah it's just a Fun, bingeable show. Also just finished reading a book by one of my favorite authors, Charlie Jane Anders. And this is a young adult book, but it was, I think, really interesting, like really good and approachable for for adults as well. It's called Victory is Greater Than Death. And the way that the author explains it, it's like a space opera in kind of like a big, grand sort of way. And it's what's really interesting, I think, about it is that it it a it's a very friendly and inclusive approach to storytelling in a science fiction. So all like this this girl from Earth is taken by aliens and meets all of these different aliens, and everyone uses like introduces themselves with their pronouns, which is something that like I, I like to think that in the in the universe, right, like kind of out there past Earth is something that people are going to do, and and also being kind of a YA novel, there's there's some like some romance and some some people in a relationship and kissing and, and every time somebody hugs somebody or kisses somebody or holds somebody, grabs somebody's shoulder for, you know, for intensity or something, they always ask consent. They're like, can I please touch you? Or do you mind if I touch you or something like that? Cool. Which is, yeah, which is really cool. Something that uh, until I read it, I didn't realize how this is not something you ever see in, in stories. So, yeah. Uh, Really good, really good novel. Very, very imaginative. Lots of really just like interesting descriptions of, of aliens. If anybody here remembers, there's a book that I series that I loved as a kid called My Teacher is an Alien by Bruce Coville. This has strong vibes of that. Just like, you know, some some Earth young adults on a spaceship kind of out there in the scary universe, but like, you know, sticking together and saving aliens. And I am writing, oh, and I have a bunch of other books that I bought on Saturday during Independent Bookstore Day, which I probably won't talk about now because I'm still sort of like trying to wrap my head around them. But speaking of which, I am writing with one of those universally beloved (laughs) Independent Bookstore Day Blackwings, (laughs) universally loved by those of us on this podcast. It's it's grown on me. The more I see, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's colorful and cool. It looks like a book. Yeah. I have like a fungus. <laughs> I have a, a fresh point about it, but yeah, that's kind of my what I'm thinking as well. And it's a firm graphite, which I appreciate. But I was at a bookstore and have, had the opportunity to pick up a dozen, so I thought I'd grab one and try it out. So I'm writing with that in my Lix Term notebook that I've been working on for forever. Johnny, how about you? 
Awesome. So I am in the middle of The Night Train to Lisbon. It's a film that I've seen like several times because I really like it. And it's billed as sort of like a philosophical novel. So I'm waiting for them to start, you know, quoting Sartre and stuff like that. But I think it's philosophical in the like, you know, reflective sense. Like it's reflective, therefore philosophical. But, you know, it's a really good story about, you know, hitting a point in your life where you're like, you know what, what if I'd made different choices? Oh, wait, I'm not dead. I'll do it now. (laughs) <laughs> which is cool that's that's always what i admire about thoreau so yeah it's it's good and long and there's a lot of stationery in it so definitely check that out and i just watched a mini series on netflix called requiem that was i think it was supposed to be like horror thriller suspense type thing so no one would watch it with me because everybody thought it was scary but it wasn't scary or particularly violent. It was really good. It was set in Wales and filmed in Wales. So it had David Harrington, who I love, who was in Hinterland and also helped me. Poldark, he played the captain. Hmm. And uh, finally, I've been listening to Julian Baker a lot, which is making me feel super old because she's like in her mid-20s and <laughs> her music is so good. She's great. It's like her early stuff is so sad that it's like oddly cathartic. It's like reading tragedy. Like, okay, I'm going to sit here and be so sad for an hour and then get up and do something and feel a lot better than before I sat down. <laughs> so definitely check that out. And her recent one is sort of like Mumford and Sudden, where suddenly there's a full band, but <laughs> the whole band is her, which is super cool. Who did, what was the movie when Eddie Vedder did that soundtrack where he did all of the instruments himself wild. into the wild? Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't sound like that at all, but I, I like that idea. Everything sounds super tight when it's all one person. And I was chatting with our friend Ed Kemp online a little today, and we were talking about the Murata wood tone. So I've got an old Murata wood tone out here in what field notes is this winter because we're still waiting for spring. But L- last two weeks ago when we did this, we were like, come on, when are they going to introduce the new, like introduce the new field notes? And we're still waiting. Yeah, I was thinking like, when have they been like, sort of late? Every time yeah. they've done it, it's been so good. So I'm just like, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. I think Day Game was like really late when that one came out. That was yeah. worth it. And um, Traveling Salesman came out super late. That's like legendary. So yeah, why don't we jump into Fresh Points? You want to lead us off again, Tiffany? This is a fresh point to me. I don't know if it's a fresh point to everyone, but I recently discovered the website notebooktherapy.com. And they have like Korean and Japanese stationery and these really cute notebooks. What had happened was I bought a panda planner this year thinking I'm going to use a structured planner. And like two months in, I was like, this is not working at all. (laughs) So I figured out I needed to get like a blank notebook for a bullet journal again, which I don't know why I didn't know that after using a bullet journal for five years. But I thought maybe something new. It didn't work. But I went to the site and these really cute designs and they're kind of barren fig shaped and kind of barren fig like paper like you can write with fountain pen and stuff but one caveat which is I don't know if it's just a notebook I got or if it's all of them but sometimes the dots don't line up perfectly and that's so annoying but beyond that one little thing it's it's a it's cool notebook and they have like really kind of cool like notebook accessories and stuff so definitely check them out Oh, they have some adorable stuff on here. I, I love <laughs> I love their name, Notebook Therapy, Therapy, because, you know, they're not even going to pretend, like, people shop for notebooks to, like, self-soothe. Right. Like, it's I like sure have do. some yeah. pretty ones. 
yeah. on your desk. <laughs> Be happy. Yeah. Oh, wow. The Sakura ones are gorgeous. There goes all my money. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go next, Mr. Tim? Sure. If I'm sorry, is that are those all of your fresh points? Yes, that was okay, <laughs> it for me. <laughs> like you're done. <laughs> uh, first off, just real quick, this is the final call. If you're wanting to submit songs for Plumbago, the music issue that we're putting together, so we're looking for entries by May first. So when this episode comes out, you probably only have a few days. But if you are halfway through something and you just kind of forgot and you needed that little boost, there you go. So <laughs> send that into us. <laughs> And we'll be in touch and talk about your submission. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming in, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. Tiffany, and, you know, how's, how's yours going? Good. You know, <laughs> that was, I didn't I mean feel, to check up on you. Or anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> music and music's fun. I feel so strange about about music because I haven't been playing guitar very long, and whenever I think I should write a song, I'm like, oh, but songwriting is like what other people do, like like real <laughs> musicians. <laughs> so, so you know. Music, music is strange. You should read Jeff Tweedy's book if you haven't okay, read it yet. Okay, I will write that down. Yeah, the How to Write One Song. That's a great it's title a, for a book. It's a very, very cool. <laughs> very cool. It's like if you can write one song, you can write 50, but just worry about writing one. It's, it's really good. It's, I love that book a lot. Cool. Yeah, so that's yeah, if you got that, send it in to uh, plumbagamagazine at gmail.com. Reach out to us and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk to you. And the only other thing I have is a little obsession that I've fallen into that has not been very fruitful. And I was even hesitant to talk about it on here because somebody else might snap it up if they, find, if they find one, but I've been really into Hank Williams recently and like listening to old Hank Williams stuff. And I watched the movie. I saw the light with what's his name. Hiddleston. Is that the guy? Yeah. Yeah. He plays Hank Williams in it. Movie's pretty good. It's, and then I've been reading a biography too. Uh, it's called Hank. And in the movie, he's using what looks like a little moleskin notebook. And I was like, yeah, there's no way. Like that's, that's, just, <laughs> that's, just, that's just movie people being movie people. Like there's no way that that's what he was using. And so I Google Hank Williams notebook. And then I found this really awesome story about there's this notebook that was found by a custodian in a dumpster outside of Sony or something like out of outside of the record company, like they're cleaning out some archives or whatever. And the notebook was a lost notebook of Hank Williams lyrics. Oh, wow. And this, this happened a while ago. I mean, there's an album you can look up called the, the lost notebook of, of Hank Williams. That was so this, this notebook was found. The custodian sold it and then like got sued because they thought the person stole it, (laughs) but they didn't steal it. It was confirmed by the judge. And so, but the notebook ended back in the hands of Sony. Pretty sure it's Sony. It doesn't matter. And then <laughs> Sony put it in the hands of Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan made an album out of the lyrics that were in there. There's, and he, I mean, he did one song, but then he recruited Nora Jones, Jack White, uh, Levon Helm, Jacob Dylan, Merle Haggard, Cheryl Crow, Holly Williams, Patty Loveless, Lucinda Williams. Pretty amazing, like, cast characters and they recorded an album of unreleased Hank Williams lyrics. The reason I'm bringing this up is that the notebook that he uses looks awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I've been trying to find it desperately. It is a spiral notebook that was, I mean, it has to be from the 1950s. I mean, it's a, just a basic spiral notebook, but it's by this company called Greg publishing and it's called the spiral. 
It just has a really the the spiral font on it. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, if you just Google Hank Williams notebook, you should see it pretty quickly. But all the things I've been finding, like everywhere I look, is just all like music notation notebooks that were made by Greg Publishing Company. So it's not really like exactly what I'm looking for, but it's very cool. And I've got a Google alert set up and so I'm on the hunt. So <laughs> if anybody has any, has any ideas, it just is a very cool, it's a, here's a picture I can, I'll put it in the, in the show notes, but it is just a, it's a very cool notebook. It's brown and just has a really neat print to it. And it's called a, the spiral combination theme and notebook, two words. So is it, know. um, is that the source of Greg rule? Like in a um, so. center yeah. book? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. So this is this is the the link. Hank Jr., in, you if know? you're listening and you have any extra notebooks that were your father's. Oh man, I that guy can go Tim wants one. That guy can go screw himself. I don't want a notebook from him. <laughs> 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 you can keep him, Hank Jr. If you're, <laughs> you're a pencil enthusiast. Yeah. So Hank Williams is this like amazing figure of like birth of country music and rock and roll, and then his son, you know, like like thought Obama was the antichrist and said a bunch of really yeah. ugly <laughs> racist stuff. So he can keep them. That's a winner. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. So I'm just on the hunt for that notebook. And I've been obsessed with it and been Googling it like multiple times a day since, you know, for, for, for a couple of weeks trying to find it as if somebody's just going to be like, Oh, I should put up these ancient old, you know, like yellowing spiral notebooks up on eBay. That have just been sitting here forever, but it'll happen one day. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Andy? Um, one thing I want to mention, just to go back to Plumbago for a second, we are we are looking for contributors who can write some liner notes for for the songs that we have. So if if you want to write a little thing for the zine itself about one of the songs that we that we're going to have on the album, please get in touch. We can put you in you know, in, in contact with the artist, if you want to do it like a, like a music critique or something like that, please do that. We, yeah, we'd love to just have a little bit of writing about the music that you're going to hear on that album. So please get in touch if that's something that, that sounds interesting to you. Also wanted to mention, got a message the other day from a really cool artist in Baltimore named Corey Myers. He has a little shop called the Headbone Company. And he teamed up with the Story Supply guys to make this really cool looking notebook cover that's a tribute to Brood X, the Woo-hoo. big group of locusts that are coming to life. I think the last time they they sprang forth was in 2004. And I know that's really, really big in, in Maryland, right, Johnny? Uh, yeah. If you look at a national map, it's basically Baltimore and the surrounding wow. area, not even Ooh. like the state. It's freaking bonkers. <laughs> And it, it pops up, they pop up a little bit in Southern Indiana too. In 20, in 2004, I was down in Bloomington in, at Indiana University down there. And there was, it was weird. It was so weird. It was like, it was like a movie. The birds yeah. only, like the bugs. I remember so, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, they just like dr- drown out your speech. And I watched yeah. like some of them just like fly into trees really weird yeah you'll be driving down the highway and one of them will hit your side mirror which sounds like a gun going off yeah if you drive fast which i never did yeah but uh, i'm afraid my kids my kids are gonna freak out (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so 
maybe maybe they shouldn't pick up this notebook. It's it's a very cool drawing, and if if the cicadas are something that's like if you have an affection for them, I think you would really like this. But oh yeah, just wanted to mention that because it's the drawing is gorgeous. Corey did a really good job. I need this in my life now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good, yeah, it's a good like Baltimore tribute too. Also wanted to mention, yeah, talk a little bit more about this independent bookstore day, Black Wings. Yeah, they're, as, as Johnny mentioned, like they do, I feel like look better in person than I thought they were going to look like. And they also are a lot more tactile than I thought too. The, the little gold stripe is like foil pressed on it. So foil stamped on it. So you can kind of, you can feel it. And then also where it says like Blackwing X Independent Bookstore Day and then on the opposite side where it says I Heart Indie Bookstores, like that's stamped too. And you so you can like, you can feel that. So it just, it seems like they did a good job making these even though the design is still kind of inscrutable. Yeah. And it's a firm graphite. So it has the 602 core, which is really nice. Um, and it looks like people are not, just haven't like, like it sounds like they most places sold out pretty quickly. The oh yeah on Saturday the group was late with people trying to trying to track this stuff down. I wonder how many shops are getting frantic calls like, "Can I buy a gross of these?" Yeah, like, no, we don't ship stuff. Get in. So yeah, it sounds like if you uh, didn't get a chance at it on Saturday, you might get a chance again because it sounds like a few of the bookstores at least are planning on ordering a restock. So I'd be willing to bet that there's a bunch more out here. So. Whoever's trying to sell a box for two hundred dollars on eBay, oh, gotta go check. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Did, did you see that link that I shared? I think I had seen it. Maybe I was in the group too, but like somebody tried to put it up for two hundred dollars and then took it down. <laughs> oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ten dollars <laughs> for one yeah, pencil. Up. Yeah, I have to have to think that that was somebody in the group. And they're like, oh boy. Was like, what? And they're like, oh no, what's me? <laughs> oh no, there's still one for 200. There's one for 140. Yeah. That's um, wild. Yeah. That's Tiffany, did you go out and, and do any bookstore day stuff? I did not. I did go to the library the day before independent bookstore day, nice. which was nice because now the my local library is open so you can go inside and browse, which is yeah. new. Yeah, it's been so long since I've done that. Like just going, going and like, you know, looking at shelves and looking at like staff picks, you know, things like that. I was, it was really nice to do. We we got a really cool tote bag. We had a really good day. And I guess the last thing I'm going to mention, I, I regret or not regret. I'm tentative, tentatively asking this because I know that this <laughs> is a whole rabbit hole that I don't necessarily want to go down. But I am considering buying a mechanical keyboard. Ooh, yeah. very cool. And I wanted to know if anybody here had any recommendations for something that had that really good tactile feel, but wasn't like super, super clicky. Oh, man. I had a really great IBM one about 20 years ago, and I got rid of it because I didn't think anybody was into it. And then I immediately yeah. regretted it. It was yeah. it was something else. It almost had recoil. Oh, wow. It's great. <laughs> ka-chung, ka-chung, ka-chung. Yeah. <laughs> Tim or Tiffany, do you use a mechanical keyboard? I don't. I just no. use the one on my laptop. Yeah. But I look at them and they're like, they have some really cool designs. Yeah. Here. Yeah, there's. I as well am one of those people that I'm like scared to. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so rarely at a desktop computer that I'm not really running the risk of it, but I I know I would love it. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> and I would get obsessed with it. I've been using my, because I've been working from home for, for a year, I've been using my laptop kind of like docked with my big monitor and I've been using. 
a mouse, like a Bluetooth mouse, mouse and a Bluetooth keyboard, just the ones that, you know, just the Apple ones. And I've been sort of waiting to see if Apple was going to make an external keyboard with like the touch ID thing in it. You know, how you can unlock your computer with your fingerprint. And mm-hmm. they just introduced a new series of, of Macs and they have a keyboard, that a external keyboard that has touch ID, but it's apparently only going to work with the newest processor, which I do not have. So mm. I'm thinking to myself, that sort of like was like, well, I've been holding out for that just to, just to see. And since that's not what's happening, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a, a mechanical keyboard because I think that some of them look really cool and they feel nice. There's some that look like, I was telling my friend Will, because he's really into mechanical keyboards. I want one of those ones that look like a like Delta Airlines gate agent was would use in the mid-90s. Yes. Like, the ones that had like, like lights at the top. Aesthetic. Yes, just some lights and some orange keys and some brown keys and, you know, <laughs> all that. Just to see if I can find one of those. So I'm going to look for those, but I also want it to be Bluetooth because I'm done with cords and I don't want it to be too giant because I have a limited space. So I would love any listeners who have recommendations of something that's like entry level and not too fussy, not something that I have to like build myself or whatever. Cause I know that that's totally a thing that mechanical keyboard people do. You can like build your own keyboard, like, like we'll customize his to the point where he has like, he picked out the like typeface that displays the letters on his keys. Like he really, really went, wow. that's really went awesome. in on it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't even know how much he spent on it. I don't want to spend that much. So there's a very good chance that the one I had might still be in my parents' garage because my father never throws anything away. But <laughs> I, th- I think it was hmm. a Type M or a Type F. So I've, oh, I'm hunting for it. Well, if you if you find it and want to take some pictures of it, I, I would definitely would have to see if I could actually plug it into my computer because that might not be a thing. Oh, yeah. It's got like a coil. I assume it predates USB. Oh, my God. It predates everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it might have been allergic to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen some some people try to get like an old Apple II keyboard, not an Apple II, a Mac Classic keyboard to work with their like modern day Mac. And they have like a series of like three or four different adapters plugged into oh, it so you, can, so you can plug it in. <laughs> not to mention some like home coded driver to make it work. Does it involve a lot of lag that at that point? It takes a lot of commitment. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> you can t- type a whole sentence and then, you know, it takes it takes that time to... Wow. Turns it into like a Morse code. Yeah. Like <laughs> Interestingly, we were... That, delay. that episode of about Alpha Smarts that we had a couple years ago, you can plug an Alpha Smart into your, into your Mac, into like your computer and use that as like a pass-through keyboard. That's pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah. How do I not have one of those yet? I don't know, Johnny. Get on get on the <laughs> ball. They're like 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, you know what it was? The um the clear one is the one I want, but apparently that's not the one you should buy and I got frustrated and I was like the hell with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> wow, these are so uh, we cheap. We should do an Alpha Smart follow-up. We we really really need to get somebody from that Hemingway Freewrite company to come on here. Yeah. Like, I don't want to buy them cuz they're overpriced, but I really want to talk to them about it. Like you could send me pictures of it. Yeah, send me a sample. I'll I'll try it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Johnny. How about you? I mean the free right. The free right. <laughs> that's the, it. Yeah. The hemming right or whatever. Yeah. Um, I only have two. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. Free. Right. <laughs> the five hundred dollar right. I just have the opposite of a five hundred dollar right. My first fresh point is that I have a new zine that comes out every week and costs a dollar called Tuesday Zine, Ooh. and it's full of a spleen. I cheated. The one for tomorrow is is already ready to go. This is so, super Johnny Gamber on brand, by the way. Like I'm going to make a new zine every week. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially from like a couple weeks ago where you're like, I've got, I've done a lot of these uh, pencil revolution ones and it's time to slow down for a little while. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to do one. one yeah. A week. Uh, like, you know, Etsy takes fees and stuff and the cost to print them. So I'm like, I don't know, a dollar. I think I might make a dime depending where I send it. But yeah, I just, you know, it's every two. I hate Tuesdays. So every Tuesday I write about something I hate. The first one was that I hate Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> this really one is funny. about hating hypocritical environmentalists and their Teslas, but it's it's so short, and I don't <laughs> want to just rant. So that's tricky. That's that's been a good exercise. I really want you to go more into detail about what you mean by how your mom used to call you Thursday's child. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I think that should be like your your pen name or something. Yeah, I was born on Thursdays, and I really like Thursdays. It's the thing. Yeah. It's it's a good day. Also, when I was growing it up, it seemed that like was, Friday would be Thursday child. Yeah, I we had pasta or spaghetti with my grandmother every Thursday growing up. So it's always like, oh. it's the weekend, you know, the formality of Friday is still there, but you know, whatever. And the <laughs> only other one I have is sort of related. I made some comic notebooks for my kids because they really like making comic books. So I sent Tim a PDF that he can print out or I can print some. So if you mm-hmm. want some, it's a PDF that you can print on a regular paper and staple or sell them with dental floss or whatever. And my kids were having a ball with them because one of the panes is like a star with different panes angled around it. And the, they think it's the coolest thing in the world. So yeah, drop me an email or whatever. If you want a PDF for your children or yourself. Yeah, that's it. So shall we jump into the main topic, which is not the one I have written in the in the thingy? Yeah. Sorry, rough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it. So for anyone who's not in our Facebook group, Tiffany does not. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's start. Over. For anyone who is in our Facebook group, tonight's guest needs no introduction. Tiffany Babb has been in the group for years, and she was even among the select few who came to Baltimore last year for our live event before (laughs) everybody knew that if you didn't come to that, you weren't traveling anywhere for a while. So hello, Tiffany. So hi again. (laughs) I'm going to steal Tim's question and ask you if you can tell the folks at home a little more about yourself and your work and how you came to your work. Yeah. First of all, I don't think I've thanked anyone for being on this podcast yet, but I am very honored to be on the podcast and this has been very fun so far. And I cannot believe it's been a year and change since Baltimore. And that definitely was the last place I went to before not going anywhere for a year and change. But about me, I am living in Southern California now and I'm a writer and artist and I like to write about comics and film and television and books and I like to draw cartoons about like little things that happen in my life oh and how how I came to it I guess it's one of those things where like I've I've always been a person with a lot of opinions about things and I'm also a person who consumes a lot of media and I think like in college, you know, you write an essay and your professor is forced to read it. They are paid to read it. <laughs> and that was always cool. But I didn't really know cultural critics existed in modern days beyond just writing reviews, which I think is fine. But I like to do, I like to extend beyond that. But I love reading like literary criticism, like Umberto Eco and Bart's. So after college, I was just like, I guess I should start writing some things about things. And slowly, 
people started reading it, which was kind of cool. Awesome. I love that. And especially when you apply it to something that I think probably a lot of traditional art media critics sometimes dismiss, which is like comics, something that's, yeah, Mm -hmm. something that has always sort of been like not serious and not for, not for adults. But I think there's probably their idea of comics are just like super, super outdated. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be in 2021, a comics critic? Yeah, well, I guess like to start off, like, I think comics are great, and that there's a lot of amazing work out there. It's mixed, because it's actually when we say comics, we're talking about multiple Mm -hmm. industries, right? We're talking about superhero monthly comics, and like kids graphic novels, and like those artsy Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novels. And in general, like, I feel like the people I meet tend to be nice. It is also like, a lot of men. And that has created a lot of problems over time. But the work itself, I think, like, there's no, there's no, for me, there's no better work than reading something or watching something, and then writing about it in what I think is a complex way, and then talking to people about the work in a complex way. So for me, it's just kind of, it's really fun. And it, it it's a way of kind of delving deeper into the stories that people find important. Now, you, you kind of just <clears throat> referred to this a second ago, but I'm going to ask maybe a triggering or provocative question <laughs> to <laughs> ask somebody who's, who's into comics as, as a teacher. I'm always like wrestling with whether graphic novels engage the same kind of like parts of the brain and learning capabilities as prose does in class. Like I have students who love to read graphic novels. My kid, I mean, he's only, he's turning eight next week. He, he likes reading these little, like, you know, dog man and oh, dog man's uh, great. Everyone, things that have illustrations in them and stuff. And like, how would you respond to that? Like, as far as like how you see graphic novels and, you know, traditional novels kind of stacking up next to each other. Yeah. I mean, I think it doesn't engage the same parts of the brain as prose in the same way that like, reading Wodehouse isn't the same thing as reading Borges, right? Like we, we engage <laughs> with different works on different levels. And mm-hmm. like, there's the same thing with like, let's say looking at a painting versus listening to a song, right? I think this is kind of the part where I'm like, when I, when I get to not quote C.S. Lewis, but I get to invoke him in his, he has this great book called An Experiment in Criticism that I talk about all the time. But he talks about judging a reader's quality, not by what they read, but by how they read. Mm. Like there are always people who are going to be like skimming Shakespeare. Mm. And then there's going to be people writing dissertations on Calvin and Hobbes. Right. Mm. And it's about kind of, it's what you put in. Right. And especially in education. And I, I, I studied children's literature and I, I'd like to think I know a lot about the field, but you know, who knows? But for me, it's about kind of directing, like if you want a child to engage with the work, ask them questions about how how does the color work in this comic, right? Or what do you like about this? And then what is the artist doing in this moment to kind of, to hide an emotion? Or why do we think that this character is moving facts faster on this page than in this page, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's no different from any kind of any kind of analysis or interaction with art or or with the world in general, right? It's about kind of breaking the elements of heart and seeing how how the clock ticks. 
That's such a fantastic answer. <laughs> you, you killed that. I am totally convinced that. I mean, that makes it makes perfect sense. I, I, I love how you describe that. So, very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to move on if you're cool with it, Tiffany, to to yeah. your comic your to your comic itself. I I really enjoy it because it seems to be about everyday experiences in your life. Like you wrote one about going to the zoo. You wrote one about, about how your sister was trying like non-alcoholic spirits recently, which was a really good one because I've had that same thought about the branding <laughs> of those. Seed lip, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyhow, how do you identify those moments as like, ah, I want to create a comic about that? I think a small percentage of the time, it's like something like brilliant will happen in life. And I'll be like, oh yeah, that's going to be a <laughs> comic. Yeah. Right. And then most of the time, though, it's like me Saturday morning thinking, what kind of funny thing happened this week or what slightly interesting thing happened? And it's it's interesting because with a, the diary comic format, it's four panels. So it's not a huge amount of space. And there are some really funny things that will not fit in that four panels. And there are certain things that aren't as funny in real life. But when you condense it into the four page comic format, it becomes funnier. So it's kind of like putting together a puzzle and seeing what actually fits and then kind of going ahead with that. Hmm. Awesome. So what's your process like? Do you storyboard? Do you start with a writing, with drawing, or sort of like both at the same time? That's interesting. I mean, I storyboard, but like I am also like the world's, I'm the world's least patient artist. <laughs> and you'll see, especially the earlier comics, they're super crooked. And because I did it, I don't like using a ruler <laughs> because I'm just like, you know, I just want to get it done. And like the panels are all different shapes. Now I, I try to be a little more neat. But the one thing that I kind of do have to do is storyboard because the gags and stuff are, and like the layouts are so visual. So I tend to kind of have the idea. I lay out where the words and the images are going to be because they have like, they have a dynamic, right? Like you don't want to have like too many words on one side because it's going to kind of unbalance the entire thing. So it's kind of, you kind of all have to do it at once. And actually Nick Susanis, who's this great comic scholar, whose dissertation uh, was published and called Unflattening. And he talks a lot about thinking through images, which I am not, in general, I'm not that person in general, I think through words. But with this particular exercise of doing a diary comic, I do kind of think in images. And it's been really fun to see how that turns out, like how I would create something that I would never create if I was just sitting down and writing it. So, and you don't just do comics, like we've referred to, you also write your criticism and you write essays and you write poetry. Do you think there's like a common thread that's strung through all the different modes of writing that you do? And what, what would that thread be? Yeah, I think with all of my work, it's about kind of drawing attention to something that other people might not be looking at. So like with criticism, it's like, well, I saw this movie and I saw something that nobody else saw. So here's my opinion. And hopefully, you know, next time someone watches a movie again, they're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Or they're like, oh, that makes no sense at all. But, you know, new thinking, right? And with like my diary comic, it's about, oh, little moments in life. And same thing with poetry, right? It's about like poetry to me is something that is so, it's about focus and it's about looking at something very intently. And so to me, I think all of my work is about drawing 
my attention and or other people's attention, if I am so lucky to have readers of whatever I'm doing, to something that they may not see on their own. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of those things that Tim talked about plus plus music, like your your creative output is really out really amazing and and multidisciplinary as well. Do you have any advice for those of us who kind of need that extra push to create and to like, you know, share our creations? That's very nice of you to say, <laughs> because a lot of times I just think of a dilettante, <laughs> like, oh, you know, master of none, right? But as for creating and sharing, I think the big one for me is not taking yourself or your work too seriously. Like, I always joke that I'm a lowercase w writer and a lowercase a artist like I don't like I'm not nothing that I'm making do I think like is like a masterpiece I'm like this is not my masterpiece this is not the essay that's going to change the world this is just some of my thoughts or this is some of my drawings and having that like weight not on my shoulders I think is just like well I think this thing is pretty good for me probably (laughs) And so maybe other people will read it. And if they do, then they do. And if they don't, then then I work harder and try to improve, right? I think not having it, and I think with a lot of artists, and for me when I was younger too, having this like pressure that like this has to be perfect <laughs> and that like I have to contribute something to like the artistic society is like that's really draining <laughs> and it's very scary as opposed to like, hey, I'm just a person you know, with a website. And sometimes I post some drawings on Saturday or whatever. And then I can, you know, do whatever I want and see if it resonates with people. Yeah. Cool. Well, you knew this was coming. So what role does stationary play in your creative work? Any stationary. All the roles, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> like with my diary comic, I draw it by hand and then I scan it in. And with writing, with poetry for sure, I always start my drafts with pencil on paper and then I do some revision on paper and then then I move it to the computer. But, and with some essays, I think it depends on the shape of the essay. I'd say like 70% of my essays are typed up on the, on the laptop. But if I'm doing a personal essay or if I'm trying to do something a little more concentrated, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. try to write what I'm doing longhand. And the same thing happens when I'm doing a like complex revision. I'll print out my article or whatever, and I'll copy it out all by hand with like a pencil because it slows you down. And it really makes like when you're typing sometimes, because typing is so simple a lot of the times, like you can just type junk and you're just like, yeah, you know, I'm writing. <laughs> But when you're writing by hand, like it's effort, right? It's like, well, does it, do I really want this sentence? Because if I do, like I'm gonna have to spend the next few, you know, half a minute or whatever, or a minute writing it out. Like, and especially when you're like at the end of your thing, you're like, oh, do I really need this last sentence here? And you're much more aware of like the language you use and how it sounds when you're forced to write it out. So, so yeah, I, I love, I love doing as much of my work as possible analog. And to zero in on pencils specifically, what do you what do you look for in a pencil, and what are what are some of your favorites that you sort of find yourself coming back to, or some of your favorites of all time? Hmm. I like I like pencils with erasers, which like kind of sucks because a lot of pencil a lot of great pencils don't have erasers because I 
usually cannot be bothered to have an like I'm not like a very organized person if you can't tell by now <laughs> and so I'll just you know have a pencil at the bottom of my bag so so I like pencils with erasers I like you know firm lead as dark as possible like I, I love the Tennessee reds I know everyone does I I like a good vintage Ticonderoga. Nice. Those are nice. And recently I came across, I bought like this box of vintage pencils on Etsy and I found this Eagle Black Warrior, which I've never tried before. Hmm. And it's like two and a half, which I think is really funny. Never heard of a two and a half pencil before, but I love it. And it really maintains a point, which means I don't have to sharpen as much, which is very convenient. So those are kind of the pencils on my mind right now. Hmm. Johnny, a two and a half is an F, right? Is that right? Uh, yep. Cool. I love a two and a half. It's very dark for an F. Yeah. There's there's something out there. Oh, crap, who is it? Is it Mungle who has a two and three eighths pencil? Yeah, like they, mm. they used wow. to um, the Steinbeck. They one. trademarked yeah. their fractions. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure that's just like splitting hairs, right? But <laughs> yeah, I think was it Generals is two fourths and Dixon. I forget two what they fourths. used to be, but now they just say two point five. <laughs> oh yeah mine is 32 64 wow. like, oh they used to do five tenths okay and, oh boy in your head you're Wild. checking it you're like wait do i remember fractions Jeez. yeah that's right <laughs> uh, <laughs> you stare at them for a minute and then wait a second <laughs> these are all the yeah, same and with, the Mongo, with three eighths you're like it is a little harder than two and a half just a little bit <laughs> no it's not <laughs> well tiffany speaking of of various kinds of pencils when it comes to you know tangential pencil things sharpeners notebooks even like fountain pens or washi tape or whatever whatever what are some of your favorite go-to stationary items i really like postcards lately Mm. i don't know why i'm just having like a postcard vibe like i mean you're supposed to use them when you write to your senators and stuff because then they don't have to screen them for anthrax but somehow it like feels chiller and easier to like like jot off a quick postcard to a friend as opposed to like, I'm going to sit down and write a letter (laughs) with a capital L, right? So it's like, oh, you know, happy birthday or oh, we should talk more often or something. And, And also the fun thing about postcards is there are a lot of like independent artists who just like sell like you know, packs of postcards on their website. So you can like find all these cool things. And, you know, I mean, I feel like when we say postcards, a lot of times people are like, you know, picture of, the Washington Monument, <laughs> like terribly framed photograph of the Washington Monument with like really bad like clip art. But but like there are some like really awesome artists to support. And then like you get cool postcards and then you can put them on your wall, like a little print. We need to have a postcard renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, hot sure. postcard summer. <laughs> have, you seen the, the dra- have you guys seen the Draplin postcards? No. 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 Yeah, there's like a, it's like a 25 postcard set. So the other day I just pulled it back up. It's uh yeah, it's twenty five bucks and it's twenty five postcards and a lot of them have his face on them in some form. That's fun, freaking so. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty pretty amazing. I made some for um <laughs> Pencil Revolution in the fall, but I couldn't line up the front and the back. But now I have a new printer. So maybe mm-hmm. also I have like piles of cardstock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally hijacked that. <laughs> It'd be cool, though. I'd, I'd get your postcard. So one of my favorite podcasts is called The OCD Stories. And one thing that the host, Stuart Ralph, asks people is, if you had a billboard, what would it say? So I don't want to completely copy off him. And you used to live in New York. So if you could take over a subway station the way that like T-Mobile or 
you know, Geico takes one over and just rebrands the whole damn thing. What message would you cover the place with? Gosh, that is, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> now I'm like, like my instinct is to go with like, I mean, have empathy for people, but that's not, that's not a useful thing to say because that doesn't help people have empathy. I think I would want to do some cool, like sort of project that like, I don't know, like seeing people my brain first goes into people's text messages, like text messages that talk about like love and relationships and like familial relationships and just, and like pictures of people just to remind people that like, you know, other people have lives. And, and I, I think this is the big subway thing is sometimes you're sitting on a subway and you look around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, everybody in here is living their own rich and complex life. And it gets really called, overwhelming. Uh, that word is called sonder, right? Like that's a... Is that what it's, it's called? It's, a, it's a, like somebody made up English words that seem like they would be German words or something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to look for that <laughs> that site. But I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's called sonder. Sonder.com, a better way yeah. to yes. see, etc. Yeah. Like something that would echo that to... And like, we all need this in public spaces too, is to like, you know, remind people to not be rude to the person <laughs> next to you. Other humans to, are humans you know, too. be kind. Yeah. Exactly. That would be my, my instinctive answer. I don't know if I have a deeper one <laughs> than that. That's a great question. Yeah. Oh, I, I stole it. He gets some really good answers <laughs> on there. Good job, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would <laughs> plaster the place with pictures of really cute kids that say, don't F with me. Because it would remind people that we all have feelings, but I don't know if it would work. I just want to like combine the F word with cute pictures of my children. Why not? <laughs> a motivational poster with Henry on brand counting too. at yeah. you. It's just like, why are you effing around at work, man? <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, do you have any anything you want to talk about that we we did not mention? Um. Let me <laughs> put you on the spot. I don't know why that like that caught me off <laughs> so guard. much. Well, my own stuff. Like I have, you know, a monthly newsletter called Putting It Together, which is a monthly essay about a piece of media that I've consumed lately. And my, my most recent one was about the podcast 99% Invisible. And then I have uh, hard copies of my diary comic on sale in my Etsy shop with a couple zines as well. Nice. Did you see the 99% Invisible news just today? I did not. What do you? They Roman Mars sold it to Stitcher. What? Yeah. It's huge. What? That is shocking yeah. and uh, and surprising. Yeah. Like I am. It that's not the move that I would have assumed that they right? would make. Right, because they've been so focused on like being kind of an independent news organization. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he sold it, broke it away from Radiotopia, sold it to Stitcher slash SiriusXM because I think that they own Stitcher. And but he took but they split off articles of interest and Avery Treffelman still runs that. Okay. Wow. Didn't they do yeah. a really good episode about post offices? They do a lot of really mm -hmm. good episodes. Yeah, they did one about history of the mail. They did one about post offices. That's yeah, so really cool. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I'm gonna button this one up. Yeah. It's cool. Tiffany, cool. can you tell folks at home where to find you on the internet? and social media and anywhere else you want to share? <laughs> yeah, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Exploding Arrow. My website is just Tiffany Babb, that's B-A-B-B, uh, dot com. 
and and you can pretty much find everything through the oh my etsy shop is called all about me comic so if you just put that into the little etsy search bar it'll come up awesome how about you andy and tim Tim, do you want to go? I should have been that. I should have been more specific. Sorry. <laughs> How about you, Jim? At the same time, yeah. or <laughs> race. Handy right, one, two, three. Let's do this. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum, and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. And I am Andy? on uh, Instagram and Twitter as at a Wellfley, and my website is Andy.wtf. And I'm Johnny. I'm at PencilRevolution.com and on social media at Pencilution. And we are Erasable. You can find us at Erasable.us, which you probably already did. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Erasable Podcast. Our Facebook page is Facebook.com slash Erasable Podcast. And you can find our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups, just Erasable. And thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. Oh my God, that's a big list. Who oh, yeah. <laughs> support us at the producer level, which is $10 or more every month, which really adds up. I'm going to take a drink of water. <laughs> and if I butcher your name, please send me the nastiest mail you feel comfortably sending me. On a postcard. David Johnson, Laura Smith, Phil Munson, Nate Raybeck, Donnie Pierce, who just had a baby. Congratulations. Bill Black, Miriam Bookout, Dave, Harry Marks, Allison Cepeda, Diana Oakley, Tom Keekley, Andre Torres, Kyle, Paul Moorhead. Andrew Squish, Ali Sarah, Jamelia, Stephen Fensali, Danila, yeah. Aaron Willard, A.O. Pryor, K.P., Millie Blackwell, Chris L., Hunter McCain, Bob Ostwald, Michael Dialosa, Adam Prebola, Jocelyn R. Myers, Tana Feliz, Ann Sipe, Joe Crace, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkus, John Bainan, Bill Clow, Random Thinks, Jason Dill, Dave McDonald, Mary Collis, Alex Jonathan Brown, Andre Prevost, Kathleen Rogers, Bobby Letzinger, Fourth Letter, Kelton Weens, Scott Hayes, Hans Noodleman, Terry Beth, Jay Newton, Stuart Lennon, Dave Tubman, Chris Jones, and John Wood. Did you say that all in one breath? No, not at all. <laughs> that was very yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much. You make everything possible. Sweet, and we'll see you in two weeks. Do you like our podcast? Most people like our podcast, but if you don't like our podcast, then we'll turn it off. Mm-hmm.